It is Friday, January 15th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Divisional Round DFS podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, are Jared Smola and Tyler Syracuse. And this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the lineup generator on DraftSharks.com. And you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at fansharesports.com. Guys, we had a six-game slate for the wild card round. Loaded. That's a loaded weekend for this time of year on the NFL calendar. Jared, how did you fare in that loaded weekend on FanDuel DraftKings? Uh, not good. I had pieces of John Brown, Corey Davis, and Ronald Jones, the three guys. So, you know, I'll post in goose eggs. I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to pull up uh, – just the lineup that won the big uh, $50 single entry tournament I was in, I just thought it was interesting and probably something we can learn from, you know, it's a type of lineup that wouldn't have won, I think a, a full slate, but I think on these smaller slates, you can do funkier stuff and you probably do want to do funkier stuff. So the lineup that won was big Ben to Juju Smith Schuster with Jarvis Landry as a bring back, but it had Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown on it. Um, it had Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas on it. So I just, I think it, you know, had stuff that you wouldn't think would work on full slates, but it does when we're, you know, working with a smaller player pool. So that's something I'm trying to keep in mind this week as we, you know, get down to a four game slate. Yeah. And that's something we'll talk about later in this show. And I just posted an article last night on DraftSharks.com with some sleeper type guys, either for DFS or for playoff challenge lineups. If you're playing either of those, uh, either of those kinds of tournaments, um, so those are the kinds of guys that you have to mix in. Obviously, you have to guess on the right ones, but that's key at this point with so few players available. Tyler, how did uh, the wild card round treat you in DFS? It was a pretty good week overall. I predicted five of the six games correctly, so that was always good. I was on Cleveland early in the week, so that definitely paid off. DFS, I lost on FanDuel. Uh, I ended up using Lamar Jackson instead of Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen outscored him by like seven points. And then I had John Brown with the goose egg instead of Hollywood Brown, who actually had a pretty good game. Uh, I won over on DraftKings, and then sports betting was was pretty good. But, yeah, it was a pretty low-scoring week last week. A lot of the chalk busted. The Seahawks' defense didn't pay off. And then there was just uh, a lot of landmines that you had to avoid in uh, in your cash games and tournament lineups. Yeah, I, I skipped large field tournaments on DraftKings, but I won everything else that I entered, and then I basically gave all of it back on FanDuel for playing John Brown, who got absolutely nothing, when I could have easily played Cole Beasley once we knew that he was in the game. So uh, that, that's the way it tends to go for me, but a decent weekend overall. So we only have the four games this weekend, two Saturday, two Sunday. That means a pair of two-game slates, a four-game slate, of course. It looks like DraftKings is treating that four-game slate is the main slate this week, while FanDuel, of course, is treating it like two separate main slates, trying to keep churning your money. We're going to go through it position by position as usual, try to speak to the multiple slates here. But Tyler, with just the four games left at this point, there are only so many players to choose from. How much does it really matter which slate you're playing? I mean, unless you're maxing out the entries, it's really just about finding the, the guys that you must play and a few sneaky players to sprinkle in, right? Yeah, for me, especially on the four-game slate, I'm going to figure out which game I want to stack. And for me, we're, we're going to get into it, but it's definitely going to be the Chiefs and Browns game. It has the highest over-under on the slate, but 
I'm going to be stacking that game both ways with all different combinations between Patrick Holmes and Baker Mayfield. I'm probably going to like fade the Rams Packers game completely besides Cam Akers. So that's just like a game theory of the week, kind of figure out, you know, with this four game slate, I'm going to be all over one game and then completely off another game. And then I'll probably just mix and match different options in the other two games. So that's my strategy for this week Um, in terms of like a shorter slate uh, strategy in general. I usually just try to prioritize the the top scoring players at each position, obviously, and then you know trying to figure out the value. So um, it's it's not it's not too complicated on these smaller slates. I just you know try to jam in the best players. If Travis Kelsey's gonna outscore every other tight end by 15, 20 points, you're gonna need him in your lineup, and you're gonna need to to find values at other positions. And Jared, it's probably less about finding which low dollar guys you think might go off and really just finding low dollar guys that make some sense and putting them in. Cause even if they don't go off, they could, you know, give you the five points that you need. Right. Yeah. You know, last week came down to, you know, how many guys did you have in that Steelers Browns game? And if we get another game that, you know, gets into the sixties and I do think chiefs Browns has a chance, you know, it's going to come down to that again. If not, then yeah, it's going to come down to finding that one, probably lower priced, lower owned guy that goes off. And that's sort of the difference when, you know, the margins I think are just slimmer when we're working with, you know, smaller player pools on these small slates. Mm-hmm. Are you guys going to play any cash this week for either four game or two game slate? No, I'm not. I probably will. I'm still waiting on some news. Like Sammy Watkins is uh, a, b- a big news piece this week, but I think there's enough value this week and and I feel pretty confident in the studs. And then once again, the action is usually a little bit softer in these playoff slates. So I uh, I haven't settled in on a cash game lineup yet, but I'll probably be throwing quite a bit of cash for the weekend. Nice. Jared, let's jump into the positions. Why don't you get us rolling with the QB talk? I mean, it, it, Patrick Mahomes is obviously, to me, the, the standout top option. What's your approach overall at the position? Yeah, interesting that um, Josh Allen actually checks in as a bit better value on DraftKings based on our projections than Mahomes. I'm going to kind of ignore our projections. I, I, I'm with Tyler. I'm going to play – uh, both sides of the Chiefs Browns game, uh, Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield. Uh, Mahomes, I mean, you know, one, he's Mahomes. Two, the matchup's good. The other piece I like about Mahomes is we've seen his rushing increase during the playoffs. I think he sort of, you know, he and the Chiefs kind of unleash him a bit, you know, to, to, to use the, the uh, Chase Claypool term we were throwing around last week, getting unleashed. Um, Mahomes has averaged 31 rushing yards per game in the postseason versus just 17 and a half during the regular season. So that adds some upside to him. And then Baker Mayfield, I think is just too cheap at 5,300 bucks. Um, he's been good now for the past couple of months, really um, 20 plus DraftKings points in four of his last seven games, including two games of 33 plus. So this is definitely a game where he might need to do more. And I think, you know, he, he could return a big profit on that price tag. Yeah. And the chiefs have allowed the third most DK points to quarterbacks this season, 10th most fantasy points overall. I think we're probably a little low on our projection for Baker Mayfield this week. I, I think to me, the reason that Josh Allen sits ahead of Pat, Patrick Mahomes is I don't think we're, I think we have too small a gap between those two guys. To me, it's Patrick Mahomes. Then it's everybody else. And Baker Mayfield is part of that. Everybody else. Tyler, what are you doing at quarterback? Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention with these four game slates a lot of times it's it's a good idea to play out in your head how you think these games are going to go. So obviously last week, if you predict uh, predicted a, a monster shootout in the Steelers-Browns game with low ownership, you would have been all over that in tournaments. I don't think Chiefs-Browns players are necessarily going to be low-owned, but that's the game that I think is going to shoot out. So I'm going to be all over that game. 
And same thing, those are going to be the two quarterbacks I'm mostly playing. Uh, there's no weather concern in Kansas City. It's looking like the biggest weather concern is down in Buffalo with wind gusts possibly up to 30 miles an hour, possible snow. The weather in Lambeau looks really good, but I just think that those defenses match up well with the opposing offenses, and it could be definitely a slower-paced game. I think there's a potential for a lot of big plays in the Chiefs-Browns game, which is another reason why I like those two quarterbacks. Mahomes will definitely be my highest-owned QB. Baker Mayfield will be my second-highest-owned. And then I'm going to sprinkle in Lamar Jackson and Drew Brees, and I'm going to be completely off all the other guys. Jared, you got anything else on the QBs there? No, um, yeah, I'm only planning on playing two single-entry tournaments right now, and it's going to be a Mahomes team and a Baker team. I do think Josh Allen's interesting. Like, I, I respect Baltimore's defense. The weather is a concern, but the Ravens are near the top of the league in both man coverage rate and blitz rate, and Josh Allen has killed man coverage, and he's killed, he's killed it when he's been blitzed this season. So I think he actually matches up pretty well against that Ravens defense. I definitely think he's still in play. I mean, Allen has been, he has 34 plus DK points in four of his last five games. I mean, he's just been awesome. And the other thing with Josh Allen is that a lot of times Brian Dable will just completely avoid trying to run the ball, which I think he's going to do this week. We saw that when they played the Seahawks back like week seven or week eight. I think the Bills had two rushing attempts the entire first half and they were just going right up and down the field. I mean, obviously the Ravens defense is a lot better than Seattle's, but I think Dable's the type of offensive coordinator that realizes that they're not going to be able to run the ball, and and that's definitely going to enhance his projection because he's going to be throwing more, and then he'll probably take off with his legs a little bit more as well. But just the way I see that game playing out, I think it could be a little bit low scoring, and Baltimore's just going to run the ball a lot, uh, grind a lot of clock. So that's that's the reason why I'm off Josh, even though even though the matchup makes sense. I agree with all that. I'll be prioritizing Patrick Mahomes and uh, Baker Mayfield, probably sprinkling in a little bit of Josh Allen. I think living this close to Buffalo, I'm not sure I could get through the weekend without playing any Josh Allen in DFS, especially because I think that there will be a lot of action on that Chiefs-Browns game. I'll be curious to see ownership projections as we get to game days here. Over at running back, Devin Singletary tops our value in dollars per point on both DraftKings and FanDuel this week. And I mean, it's it's not hard to see why. Zach Moss is gone for the playoffs with an ankle injury. When Zach Moss missed three early season games, Singletary averaged 17.3 touches over those games, finished the season third on the team in reception. So it was just a disappointing season for him, but he was still one of their leading receivers, at least in terms of volume. And the Baltimore matchup might actually favor Singletary's style. I know that we just talked about how we don't expect Buffalo to run the ball much, and I don't. Uh, 10 carries for your lead back wouldn't be much, and that could fit in here. But 49% of the running back PPR points that Baltimore allowed this season came via receptions, the league's sixth highest share for the season. So maybe some throwing to Devin Singletary could be a staple of the approach. And the, the Ravens are only 21st in RB coverage DVOA for the season. Jared, what do you like at running back? Are you playing any Devin Singletary? He's the guy I'm struggling with. I mean, if, if I was playing cash, I, I'd end up with Singletary. I just think, you know, like good process says you you play a guy who's probably going to get close to 100% of the running back touches. Even if he only gets 10 carries, he should get a few targets. Um, like you said, he, he did have 18, 24, and 12 opportunities in, the, in those three games. Zach Moss missed. He had 16.1 and 18.7 DK points in the first two. He had just 4.3 in the third. I mean, if, if he gets the 16 DK points in that price tag, he's probably going to be in tournament winning lineup. So I definitely think there's an argument to play him in tournaments. I do think he's going to be chalky. And I still, I, 
I can't get excited about the upside. Again, I don't think the volume is going to be huge, and I still don't think he's that good of a touchdown bet. I mean, they just yeah. they don't use him around the goal line. Even with Moss out, they can just use uh, you know Josh Allen as their goal line back, basically. Yeah, I think he's a better bet for cash than he is for tournament lineups because that ceiling doesn't go as high as it would with most other teams' primary backs. Tyler, where are you on Devin Singletary this week? Uh, I think he's probably the easiest fade of the week. He's a guy that pretty much needs to score a touchdown to be in tournament winning lineups um, just because he doesn't get enough receptions on top of the limited rushes he's probably going to have. He's a guy that only scored two touchdowns all season, so I really don't like his chances at a touchdown. Like I said, it's probably going to be a pass-heavy approach, and I think the Ravens are going to be winning the game. So I'm definitely not going to have him in tournaments. I think Gus Edwards on the other side of the ball makes a lot more sense. He is um, $300 cheaper than Singletary, and the Bills just really struggled to tackle last week. Naeem Hines had a bunch of big plays. Jonathan Taylor had a bunch of big plays. The wide receiver, um, Michael Pittman, broke off a couple long ones. I just think it's going to be a really, really hard for the Bills to tackle guys like Jackson, uh, J.K. Dobbins, and Gus Edwards, and even Mark Andrews in the middle of the field. Just the way they tackled last week, I, I really like the Ravens to to run all over them. And Gus Edwards is only $4,200. I know J.K. Dobbins has been getting all these touchdowns, but Gus Edwards definitely still gets work in the red zone. He's a guy that can break off a long run. Singletary's probably going to be like 35 40% owned compared to maybe 5% for Gus Edwards. So I think I'll uh, definitely throw some Gus busts in some tournament lineups. And then um, the Chiefs situation too, maybe we could play Darrell Williams if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is out or Le'Veon Bell. And then I like Kareem Hunt uh, over Devin Singletary as well. So definitely a a fade for me. I can see Gus Edwards if you do think that the Ravens are going to win this game, trying to get to the numbers, but he he averaged at least a few more carries per game and wins than losses this year. Uh, And even his his highest carry game came in a loss to the Steelers. Um, Jared, where else are you looking at running back? Yeah, I mean, Edwards really hasn't trailed Dobbins and carries by much recently, and he's actually done a bit more in the passing game even. So, I mean, I think he's the much better play among the Ravens running backs. Um, we got to mention Cam Akers. He, he's still way too cheap on both sides. 5700 bucks on DK, 7000 on FanDuel. He has 22, 32, 25, and 30 opportunities in his last four healthy games now. Uh, the, the Packers are below average against the run. They're actually 26 in adjusted points allowed to running backs. So, I think Akers um, – Definitely should be in cash lineups. I'm probably going to have him in both my tournament lineups, even if he's going to be chalky. Alvin Kamara is a guy I started the week planning not to play. But now Latavius Murray looks iffy. Taysom Hill looks iffy. Like if both those guys are out, you know, Kamara's a guy, they, they try to keep him around like 15 carries when Murray's healthy. But if he's not, he's probably going to get 20 plus carries along with all the rushing work. So even in a bad matchup against uh, Tampa, I think Kamara is going to be tough to get away from if Murray doesn't play. And Tampa, of course, gave up the the league's highest share of its PPR scoring two running backs via receptions because they're tough on the run. Kamara had limited yardage against them both times, but scored on the ground in each game. He caught five passes in each game. So I I would say on a smaller slate, Kamara would be more of a fade here. He's somebody that I'm not going out of my way to fit if it means I can't get the the Chiefs top pass catchers. But Mm -hmm. uh, certainly there's room for some Kamara. And I agree with you that if either Latavius Murray or Taysom Hill is out, and certainly if both of them are out, it only helps him. Taysom Hill, by the way, is a $5,100 running back on FanDuel this week for some reason, just because they're like, hey, if you guys are still playing fantasy, we're going to screw with you. Make sure you scroll all the way to the bottom of the position pages. We need to just like ban Taysom Hill from fantasy football. You just can't use him in any position at any time. I mean, obviously the potential controversy is crushing his knee, and that's why he's questionable for this <laughs> game right now. 
Tyler, do you think that Cam Akers' likely high ownership rate this week makes him somebody to go underweight on? I, I don't think he's a full fade with how much work we should can expect for him. But you go, are you going underweight, or is that one of the guys that you just play because it's such a clear path and you don't want to overthink it? For me personally, I, I'm going to take an overweight position because I actually think the Rams are going to win that game as six-and-a-half-point underdogs. I got on them early in the week uh, when they were – underdog by seven put them in a couple teasers just to get them up to 14 but I I think the Rams match up really well with the Packers and we're gonna get into like sports betting a little bit later but I I took uh, Cam Akers player props as well over 16 and a half rushes and then over 15 and a half receiving yards Uh, he's a guy that's just like you said he's been getting a ton of volume I think the Rams are gonna have a conservative game plan they're gonna try to you know, they don't really trust Jared Goff with his thumb. So they're going to rely on Akers, who looked really good last week. So uh, definitely an overweight position for me, especially uh, with my thought that the the Rams might upset the Packers this week. Leonard Fournette's one more guy I want to throw in as a GPP option in particular. Um, so we know that the Saints are a difficult rushing matchup overall. They're third in overall run defense DVOA for the season, but they got a little weaker at the end of the season. They allowed six of their nine running back rushing touchdowns over the final four games. They allowed 5.2 yards per carry over that span versus 3.4 yards per carry over their first 12 games. Fournette is sub 5k on DraftKings this week. And Bruce Arians said that Ronald Jones is getting better, but that Leonard Fournette's going to start this game. So he's going to get the first shot to be the running back in this game. Things haven't gone that well when Ronald Jones didn't get off to a hot start plenty of times this year. And if things are going fine with Leonard Fournette, then that might be reason for them to leave Ronald Jones on the sideline. So it's an iffy situation, I think, GPP especially. But Leonard Fournette's price on DK, I think, makes him attractive this week. He played well last week against Washington, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks just sort of you know stick with the hot hand there. It's a bad matchup against the Saints, uh, but you know you kind of just need Fournette to fall into the end zone. He, he's another guy you can pivot off of Singletary with. I also wanted to mention Aaron Jones as a you know pivot I think I think he's going to be low owned in a tough matchup against the Rams I guess if you think LA is going to win you know he's probably not your play but I'm leading Packers in that game we also saw to Green Bay lean on Jones a bit more in the playoffs last season in their two playoff games he got 85 percent of the running back carries uh, played 84 percent of the snaps and 65 percent of the snaps in those two games so I wouldn't be surprised if we you know see him get a, a few more touches than he had been in the regular season this weekend you don't think they're using A.J. Dillon as like one of those ice-breaking ships this week? A.J. Dillon's a scrub. We all know that. <laughs> I think we do. So we'll move on to wide receiver after that bit of truth. Fading Devontae Adams. I think we already know that Tyler's doing that. Jared, are you fading Devontae Adams this week? I am. You know, If I'm paying up a wide receiver, it's going to be for Tyreek Hill. You know, Maybe Adams burns. I, I, I can't see him having a big game. Now, I, I can see him catching six, seven balls for 70 yards, maybe scoring. But, you know, at his price tag, he's going to need to go over 100 yards with at least a touchdown to really burn you. So. Yeah, it's just tough to it's tough for me to align with playing Devontae Adams when I could instead play Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Right. Tyler, what about you? Any Devontae Adams? Uh, I don't think so. His prop is all the way down at 75 and a half. I actually don't mind the over there just because Jalen Ramsey is a guy that doesn't really shadow, but they, they're just a good defense at all aspects of the field. And I think they're a, they're a well-coached team. They're not going to let Devontae Adams beat them over and over again. So, and, uh, I, I certainly like Tyree kill a lot better, so I'll probably be avoiding Devontae as well. 
I think the over at 75 and a half is kind of attractive too, because the Rams are good enough everywhere that it's not like the Packers would be like, all right, we're just going to go to this guy instead. Yeah. I could see them peppering Devonte Adams still with 15 targets, even if he only catches eight of them for 80 yards. Pulling up our projection for Adams. We, ha- we have him at 74 yards receiving. So I don't know. It might be a good number on the prop there. You guys that stick out for me on DraftKings, Marquise Brown and Jarvis Landry, Marquise Brown's 5,200 bucks. Um, He's averaging a little over seven targets per game now over his last seven games. Um, you're not an ideal matchup against Buffalo. We'll see about the weather. Trey White hasn't been shadowing, though, so I, I don't think Marquise Brown's going to see him all game long. I just think the volume uh, for the price tag is nice there. And kind of the same deal with Jarvis Landry, 5600 bucks on DraftKings. He's averaging 8.7 targets over his last six games now. He has 16-plus DK points in five of those last six games. I, I just think he's still too cheap. I can see sprinkling in some Marquise Brown, but the Bills allowed the seventh lowest rate of 20 plus yard completions per attempt this year. Uh, Ravens actually tops in that category. So not a great matchup on either side for long pass plays. So I, I wouldn't be overly involved with Marquise Brown this week. And I, I'm certainly, as we said before, focusing primarily on that Chiefs uh, Browns matchup. Tyler, what else are you looking at at wide up? Definitely all over the Chiefs and Browns wide receivers. Tyreek Hill, just with his upside, he can, you know, catch a couple 80-yard bombs at any given time. Browns have given up a lot of deep balls all season. They should have Denzel Ward back this week, but it's still a secondary that's a mess, and they're a team that isn't really generating pressure, especially since they lost Olivier Vernon with an Achilles injury. Uh, we have, we're going to have a lot of Chiefs uh, value if Sammy Watkins misses the game with his calf injury. Um, so obviously the upside play would be McCold Hardman and then the kind of math play would be Demarcus Robinson. Yeah. But, um, those guys would definitely make a lot of sense. Jarvis Landry is probably going to be the chalkiest wide receiver on the slate, uh, especially on DraftKings. He's just way too cheap at 5,600. And then, um, Richard Higgins is, is cheap as well. He had seven targets last week. He only caught two of them, but He's all the way down at $4,100. We expect a lot of points in that game. We expect the Chiefs to be winning. So uh, we'd expect a lot of Baker Mayfield pass attempts, which would definitely benefit the wide receivers there. I do like the saints Bucks to go over. I think there's going to be a ton of points in that game. And I think it could go a little bit under-owned. Um, so we're going to have to figure out which Bucks wide receiver is going to go off. I guess I would lean Godwin at this point uh, with, the, with the matchup. Uh, Lattimore has done pretty well against Mike Evans in the past. And Godwin had a really rough game last week. So just with the recency bias, maybe uh, I'll go back to Godwin this week after he had like three or four drops last week. I'm not totally sure what to make of the the score, the over-under on that Saints-Bucks game. I could see it going either way, but only three of the past 10 Saints games have hit the over. I am you know, I think a big part of that is the Drew Brees injury. But, I, Jared, I know that you've been a little uneasy with how Drew Brees has played even since he returned. So I, do you think that this game is shooting out between the Saints and the Bucks? Yeah, it's, it's a tough game to handicap. Like, you know, the third meeting between divisional teams makes it tough. You know, the, the Saints dominated the Bucks in both of their meetings during the season. Those were, you know, two of Brady's three worst games of the year. I, I think, you know, one of those games was back in week one. I don't put any stock in that. The other one was week nine. You know, I think that was Antonio Brown's first game, right? Um, yeah. and, and Brady's, Brady really since then has been awesome. So I, I kind of like, I like the Bucks to win that game. Um, I like the offense to you know perform much better than it did in the first two meetings. And Chris Godwin is the guy I like in the wide receiver core. Uh, Tyler mentioned Mike Evans, who has struggled against Marshawn Lattimore. Antonio Brown, um, you know, we'll see what the Bucks do here, but he was down to just um, 60% of the routes last week because the Bucks went with a lot more two tight end sets. So and that, that makes him 
less likely less likely to hit. He's not on the field. Um, Chris Godwin has nine targets per game now over his last three outings. And he's sort of um, his role sort of grown lately. So he, he's the Bucks receiver I like. And for what it's worth, Saints top sacker Trey Hendrickson seems like he's uh, trending toward returning to play this week. So that would seem to lean the Bucks toward adding protection, keeping those double tight ends on the field. Um, for this game, unless Antonio Brown, we'll see. I'd be curious to see where yeah. that goes. So, what are you guys doing with the cheap, uh, the cheap Chiefs wideouts? Because Hardman's going to be more popular than Demarcus Robinson, right? Like people love playing Nicole Hardman. Yeah, people love Hardman for sure. Yeah. I'm going to play Robinson um, and hope he's like half his owned. He in the in the five games Watkins missed this season, Robinson ran more routes. He saw more targets. He had more catches. I mean, you know, he he's not going to break off the, the long touchdown, but I mean, I, I just think he's the better bet. Um, when you factor in the playing time and the fact that he's going to be lower owned. I think Robinson outscores him, you know, probably three out of five times with without Watkins in the lineup. But just people love the ceiling of McCall Hardman because they've seen him catch yeah. these 80 yard touchdowns or have punt returns. So I think uh, from a GPP standpoint, like Hardman definitely has the better upside, but Robinson's certainly going to be lower owned. And like you said, he's had more catches and is running more routes. So I I can make a case for either of them. And I'm going to be stacking that game all over. So I'm definitely going to have pieces of both of them. Maybe the answer is Rashard Higgins at the same price as Demarcus Robinson. Since he he is the number two wide receiver on his team, and it's kind of less of a guess with where the targets are going to end up. Yeah, I I think he's in play too. I think the touchdown upside is higher for both uh, Robinson and Hardman than it is for Higgins. For and sure. you didn't mention Michael Thomas at all yet. He's definitely going to be a guy that I have a ton of again this week. He's a guy that always seems to perform well at home. The matchup isn't too worrisome. He he looked healthy last week. Uh, I would have expected him to get a little bit more targets, but the game kind of got away from Chicago. So if this is a back and forth game, I, I can easily see Michael Thomas having one of those 10 catch 100 plus yard games. He's all the way down at 6,700 still on DraftKings. Plus, I think the slime on the field from the Nickelodeon broadcast made it more difficult to hit the deep stuff. So that certainly factored in. Cooper Cup is questionable for this game. If he's active, what are we doing with him here? Because he's probably going to be fairly lowly owned. Yeah, I mean, again, with only two lineups, there's no way I'll get to Cooper Cup. Even if he was healthy, I probably wouldn't be playing him in this spot. I, I just I don't think the Rams passing game does much. Tyler, you playing any Cooper Cup? I don't think I'm going to have any wide receivers in that game, period. I just think it's going to be a low-scoring game, like a 17-13 kind of game. So I just don't see any back-and-forth appeal with that game in the cold weather. Makes sense. We had a goofy moment today, too, with Michael Thomas. Uh, The Saints website briefly had the Week 2 injury report listed as this week's injury report. So it said that Michael Thomas was out. And there were some people on Twitter like, what's happening? Is Michael Thomas playing? Michael Thomas looks like he's playing. There, There's no indication that he's an actual at risk of not playing in this game. Over at tight end, it obviously starts with Travis Kelsey. It's going to be tough for me, at least, to set any lineups that don't have Travis Kelsey in them uh, when you look at him versus the other tight ends on the slate. And I mean, how easy it is to actually fit his salary in and still get fine things at the other position. But there's plenty of cheap upside elsewhere at this position, I think, this week. Tyler, how much are you looking at a second tight end as a potential flex this week? I think it's a possibility, especially if David Njoku's out with an injury, because we have Harrison Bryant all the way down at $2,500. So lineups uh, would make some sense with Kelsey and Bryant, or obviously Kelsey and Hooper. I'm going to be all over that game, as I've talked about a lot. So maybe like 20% of my lineups, double tight end, and just hope that... I mean, Kelsey's basically a wide receiver. His player prop isn't posted yet, but I'm going to be all over Kelsey and Mahomes player props as soon as they're listed. I've been paying attention to that. 
But I just think Kelsey's going to get over 100 yards. Hooper's been really consistent, and he's still only 3,800. So he, he's going to be really chalky. He's the number one guy in the Draft Sharks model. But, yeah, I think double tight end is is pretty viable this week. Um, and then Mark Andrews obviously would be the other option who has multiple touchdown opportunity. Yeah, Hooper trails only Kelsey in our fan duel dollars per point. He leads the position on DK. Five-plus catches in three of his past four games. He's reached 11 targets twice in that span. One was that Jets game where they lost all their receivers to COVID, but the other one was not that game. So they're looking his way a lot. Plenty of passing in this game, most likely. Jared, what are you looking at at tight end? Yeah, I think I'm going to have Kelsey and Hooper in both of my lineups. Again, I'm I'm stacking that game. I'm going to have Mahomes in one, Baker in the other. Um, You know, Hooper not only checks in as the best value at tight end on DraftKings, he's the best flex player, the best value at flex based on our projections and his price tag. Um, Chiefs 27th in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. And then, yeah, Kelsey, I mean, I, I think Kelsey is an even better play on the small slate here. You know, there's just, there's fewer crap tight ends that can luck into two touchdowns and actually outscore him. So I think he, he's just such a strong bet to lead the position in fantasy points and likely by, you know, like eight plus fantasy points. Mm-hmm. And easily the best bet among tight ends to hit that 100 yard bonus for DK lineups. I think if you really need a cheap extra guy to throw in at flex to make other things work, Dawson Knox, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett are all in play. All those guys are 3,100 or less on DraftKings. Knox gets the Ravens D that rated lower in in coverage DVOA at 22nd versus tight ends than any other position. Higby and Everett each saw their route rates climb significantly from week 12 on this season versus before that time. Each saw 12.3% of the targets over that span, which was a bigger climb for Everett than it was for Higby. I mean, neither one of those guys is a great bet for targets because the Rams want to run it as much as possible and they're kind of cannibalizing each other's value. But if you're looking to throw somebody in that might get a touchdown and might see five plus targets, then I think either Higby or Everett could be that cheap guy there to make something else work. Anybody else worth mentioning at tight end? The only other thing I wanted to make a point on uh, with going double tight end. So like Jared said, he's going to have Austin Hooper or Kelsey in at the flex. So basically that's going to come down to like Austin Hooper versus uh, Gus Edwards or Austin Hooper versus Devin Singletary. And I think you can make a case that Hooper easily outscores both of them and, and he's cheaper. So, and that's the game we want to stack. So I think that makes a lot of sense if, if you're going to build double tight end lineups. I agree. I think the ceiling's higher on Hooper than it is on those other guys. Yep. Me too. All right. On defense with zero good options available. Uh, what are we doing, Tyler? I think a case can be made for, for most defenses. I really don't like the Rams too much, even though they're popping in the draft sharks model. I just don't think Rogers really throws too many interceptions and he's a guy that throws the ball away. Uh, I, th- I think I'm going to have the most exposure on the Ravens just with the way I think that game plays out. Josh Allen is definitely prone to mistakes still. He's improved on that a lot since last season, but we still saw, I mean, he played well against Indy, but he had that 20 yard sack fumble that he left in the middle of the field. Indy could have easily scooped that up and scored. And I think Baltimore is going to be able to generate some pressure and they have aggressive corners. I I think I like the upside the best out of the Ravens, especially since I think they're going to win the game. Jared, which defense is going to fall on a touchdown to begin the game when a snap goes over a quarterback's head? Yeah, I really wish I knew. Um, you know, there's not a single defense that stands out to me this week. I'm not going to be playing the Browns. Yeah, I'm going to you know find the money to at least get up. It's like the Rams if I'm down there. Um, yeah, I mean, the Rams do check in as the top value based on our numbers. I mean, I think they're the best defense still in the playoffs. It is a bad matchup. Um, Green Bay has turned it over the fewest times and allowed the second fewest sacks this season. So 
Um, not a good matchup there. I, I just, I mean, play what fits in your lineup, obviously. Consider ownership. You know, we'll have that up, um, you know, by tonight. And then you also consider, I think, correlating your defense with a running back. Like, I think Akers, Rams D makes sense if you think the Rams, you know, win that game. Maybe they get a few turnovers early. Akers ends up playing in positive game script. I think, you know, something like Gus Edwards with the Ravens would make sense as a kind of a correlation there. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, factor that in at defense more than, you know, the actual defense. Maybe even a Lamar Jackson Ravens defense correlation yeah. because he could be running plenty um, if they're leading the Bills. Uh, the Browns are the only one that I'm totally avoiding here because I think they're the best chance of giving you negative points. Otherwise, like I said, I think there are zero good options. There are no good matchups for any of them. Yeah. Uh, the Rams would be my first choice on DraftKings because they're at 2,600. The Ravens on FanDuel at 3,600. So I'm just going to pay down as much as I can and avoid the Browns here. On the betting front, Tyler, what are you favoring for this divisional round? So the only game that has player props out so far is the first game of the week, and that's the Rams and Packers. I mentioned how I bet overs on Cam Akers. So I'll tweet out a couple other player props that I like once they're posted on the site that I use. Um, But Saturday, I'm on both the underdogs. I, I like the Rams, especially with the points or if you can tease them up, and I'm on the Ravens. I think the Ravens should be favored in that game. I know the Bills have played really good football for the last couple months. Uh, They were pretty bad against Indy. They were very fortunate to get out of there with a win. Indianapolis made a lot of uh, coaching mistakes, uh, obviously the missed kick, and the Bills' defense looked really atrocious, to be honest. So I'm definitely going to be on Baltimore. Kansas City's tough, favored by 10, but I think they make a lot of sense in teasers, and then I, I like the over in that game. Um, so one bet that I'll be making on that game is, uh, the chiefs with the over, uh, seven point teaser gets it to KC minus three and then, uh, over under plus 50. And then buck saints is the hardest to handicap. In my opinion, I think it's gonna be a high scoring game and I think it's gonna be a field goal game, but I don't really have a lean for who's going to win in that one. So I think if anything, I would take the points with Tampa because I think they have a pretty good chance at winning that game. Give me the Bills. I think the Ravens are still getting way too much respect. I mean, they were in rough shape before a five-game winning streak against garbage teams to close out the season, and they scored 20 points on the Titans last week. So the the Bills, both of these teams are coming in fairly hot. The Ravens covered seven straight games now. The Bills had covered eight straight before last week's narrower win against the Colts. I I just think that they're going to outscore Baltimore, and obviously that's technically how you win a game, but I, I don't think Baltimore can keep up with the Bills on the scoreboard this week. What about you, Jared? I like the Bills, too. Tyler's making me second-guess it a bit. Yeah, I, I don't think either team was super impressive last week. Um, I think the Bills have been the better team for most of the season. I, I will say I think the crappy weather favors Baltimore. I mean, you know, they, they're more of the, the ground-based attack where Buffalo's airing it out. So I think you know that that's a mark in the Ravens' favor. I, I think the Bills win that game. Uh, my, my favorite bet of the week is Tampa plus the three points. You know, again, I – I think Tampa wins that game and getting a full field goal is pretty nice. So I I definitely like that side. I don't know if it's snowy in Buffalo. I like Josh Allen throwing in it better than Lamar Jackson facing snow for the first time. He's already more erratic than Josh Allen at this point, which is crazy. Like a year back, we would have been like, well, you know, Josh Allen's a little bit all over the place, but now he's the more reliable passer in this divisional round game. I just think it depends on like how much snow too. Like if it's a light snow, I don't think it's going to affect either team too much. But if there's yeah. heavy winds, I definitely think it favors Baltimore because they're a team that wants to run the ball anyways. They don't want Lamar Jackson to throw. And obviously Buffalo is a team that can't run the ball at all. 
So if there's a lot of wind or if there's a lot of snow, I, I think it favors Baltimore in a pretty significant way. It'll be interesting to see the forecast as we get there. Yeah. Any other betting notes from you? I'm leaning under in that first game. Packers Rams. I'm a tie. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think, you know, but both D's are going to have their way. Uh, one thing that I found interesting, the chiefs were actually just seven and nine against the spread this year. So I would have expected to be better, better than that. And they didn't do great in hitting overs either. Just eight of their 16 games hit the over. So you think chiefs always score a bunch of points, but I don't know. It didn't work out that way this year. So I, I, I'm not sure. There's not a whole lot of comfort for me in right. basically the picks in any of the other games here. I think the Bills over the Ravens is my comfiest. And even that, I'm not like, oh, definitely Bills by two and a half. Right, yeah. And in that Chiefs-Browns game, like I would probably lean towards the under. I'd probably lean towards the Browns plus the, the 10 points. But I, I wouldn't actually bet it because, you know, Mahomes could put up 40 and they could win by two touchdowns pretty easily. Yeah, just look out for these Mahomes props. I, I guess I saw a couple of people tweet out that like DraftKings Sportsbook had Mahomes at like 17 and a half rushing yards. I'm sure by the time it gets posted on my site, it'll be up to like 23 and a half or 24 and a half. But I, I think he's going to run more, as Jared mentioned, in the playoffs. I think he's going to throw for like 350 plus yards, you know, get the over two and a half touchdown prop. And then I'm going to be all over Travis Kelsey. So those are, that's a lot of bets, but that's <laughs> what I'm doing this week. Yeah, I mean, I could see the Chiefs just like, it's the playoffs, guys. It's time to unleash everything. We're just going to hit Cleveland with all we've got and just score like 49 points in this game. It would not be shocking. That's going to do it for this Divisional Round DFS Preview Podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. Check out our full projections for the weekend. Hit the lineup generator to find those projections combined with salaries and fan share ownership projections to help build your lineups for the weekend. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. Tyler is at Tyler Syracuse with an I. And I am at ShoutDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola, Tyler Syracuse, and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm at Shout saying thanks so much for swimming with us.